On this episode of Dweeb Dive, we take a look at some of the new news uh, that sort of trickled in in regards to the KOTOR Star Wars movie or Knights of the Old Republic for those gamers out there. And then we'll finish our deep dive into the Star Wars show, The Mandalorian. As always, there are some spoilers ahead, so listen at your own risk. But with that being said, it's time to batten down the hatches and... Dive, dive! Bravo 6, going dark. All right, welcome back, everyone. The second episode of Dweeb Dive. I first got to say, Connor, excellent job. I love listening to that opening intro music that you made. I, I probably listened <laughs> to it like 20,000 times. Wow, thanks, man. Over and over again. I showed it to my fiance. I was wow. like, doesn't this sound awesome? <laughs> I don't think she knew like 80% of the stuff going on, but she's like, yeah, that's pretty cool. So great job, wow. man. Absolutely love that. Um, praise aside, how you doing today, man? Austin, I'm doing absolutely wonderful. It's been a great day. Uh, I'm going skiing in like a day from now. So I am just on top of the world. I'm recording my favorite podcast. So you could say I'm a happy boy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good as well. I am bummed that I cannot join the ski excursion. Dork! But that is because I'm getting married in February, which is in 48 days, actually. What a loser! So uh, that, that's actually, it's a lot of money to get married in case anybody out there did not know that. Yeah, wow. Um, so no ski trip for this guy. But I'm very excited to be doing our second episode of Dweeb Dive Definitely one of my favorite things to just nerd out uh, like the old days, man. Just like just like the old days. So yeah. Speaking of nerding we'll, out, uh, uh, is it, do you want to talk about the Kotor, the Kotor movie? Yeah, I do actually. Right so uh, um, just a quick. It's just a little bit of a trickle, um, as I mentioned earlier, that Connor had actually sent me today. Uh, obviously, the Skywalker saga has come to a close. But we all know that Disney is going to be doing multiple trilogies uh, through Star Wars. We just don't know what direction that they're going in or don't really have a good direction. But a little bit of clarification, I guess, today of some release from Lucasfilms about uh, some of the ideas that they had been tossing around. It sounds like they had been flirting with getting into the KOTOR universe but I'm relatively new to KOTOR, uh, Knights of the Old Republic again. I actually bought the game today on Microsoft Store because Connor told me I should. <laughs> it's $10. It's not an ad. It's not an ad. But, uh, Proud of you, man. Proud of you. <laughs> so I'll be diving in um, for the storyline. So briefly, Connor, I, what what is KOTOR? What, what is this new potential trilogy going to look like? KOTOR, uh, it takes place before any of the movies and any of the shows. It's actually, uh, maybe besides for some random extended universe books that I don't know about, um, it is the oldest IP within the Star Wars universe. So it's like, it's almost ancient uh, in terms of the Star Wars history, the Star Wars timeline. The games, there's two games, uh, KOTOR 1 and 2. They're both excellent excellent um experiences in terms of narrative and if you like sort of rts tactical gameplay it's really fun um so as you know i'm a massive fan of these games and while i, I am excited about the news that there's going to be a movie about it it's 
I can't help but feel a little weird or just wondering why KOTOR. I mean, they certainly are very, they're lauded games, you know, people like them, but they're not these massive, uh, well-recognized ideas. Uh, even though like Star Wars fans are not really that recognized. Um, I mean, I realized that, so they made the two console based games and then they made, uh, an MMORPG called the old Republic, which is, uh, takes place in directly in the shadow of the first two games. Uh, and that had a pretty big fan base, but still it wasn't, I mean, it didn't have World of Warcraft numbers. Um, it didn't have like League of Legends numbers. You know, it wasn't like this huge thing. So, I mean, Austin, I think my my first question is why? Um, like, are you sure? Like, I, I obviously I'm excited. Like, hell, hell yeah, cool. But I just don't know. It's, it seems like a weird, a weird choice, uh, especially because like the force is referred to differently like i don't know things are just so different because it's like i said it's like in this ancient time so i don't know man i'm a little i'm a little confused to be honest yeah uh, and i mean just from my limited knowledge and what you you're kind of talking about i mean it sounds like there's it, it has so much awesome potential and true i think you get a little bit of that you get get that just that almost that just hint of a taste it's not even like an actual taste it's like a hint of a taste um in not only in well spoiler alert rise of skywalker there's a sith temple okay boom i, I boom. said it we'll, we'll break that down later but there's a sith temple and i don't know if a lot of people really know about that and when i watched the movie i knew about it because actually in star wars rebels there's jedi temples and a sith temple and there's actually these almost uh i want to say they're like petrified jedi and sith knights in a mortal you know forever and you know locked in a duel to the death in stone outside a sith temple and you're like where what happened what this kind of cool what is this why is this happening these holocrons what does this mean um so there's so much there that they've kind of just really kind of ticky tacked a little bit along their journey and maybe now they're really going to dive into Hmm. what that all actually means. That's just a guess. But my fear is, um, I I will say my, my opinions of Disney have certainly changed since watching the Imagineers excellent show on Disney plus about just the inner mechanisms of Disney and and how they've moved forward as a massive entity. Hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I rec- highly recommend it, Connor. It, it's right. certainly something that is worth watching. Um, but is it some? You know, is Disney just going to try and tap this really hard from a money aspect? Which means, are they going to rush something to get a product to the door because everyone's you know kind of moaning and groaning about not having Star Wars? Although the Mandalorian season two we know comes out fall twenty twenty, and the Obi One show. Uh, with uh, Ewan McGregor is coming. So those are two things to really look forward to. (laughs) And actually, Clone the animated series Clone Wars Season 7 is coming. I think they're doing more of Star Wars Rebels. So certainly a lot of stuff happening, and I think that should be enough of a buffer. Um, I think if you're going to do KOTOR, you're going to do this universe, you could make it a nine-part trilogy, kind of like the old Star Wars, but you got to do it right. You absolutely have to hit this hard and, and hit it correctly because it's you're, you're diving into such a complicated and convoluted Star Wars area, to your point, Connor, that 
you don't want to lose anybody. And if you rush it, it's just going to, it's going to feel that way. Even for a, a casual movie fan like me, you know, if I, if I feel like it's rushed, then you have a problem because I like everything. And, and I, I am the worst movie critic ever. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's interesting, Austin. I want, so I wasn't even thinking about that. You said it could be the next, you know, extended saga of, you know, several trilogies or something. I'd never, I didn't think about that. I kind of just assumed because again, it's not a well-known IP in the star Wars universe that it would just, they would only spare a movie for it or something, but you're, you're thinking that this might be where they start the next huge direction for like the mainline series. That's interesting. Yeah. I ah. I think with, with this okay. type of universe and, uh, and I don't know, you know, obviously John, uh, you know, John Favreau, what he's done in the Mandalorian, he's done his due diligence in bringing out the things of star Wars that are just not well known, but they're very prominent. And my hope is the same thing at Lucasfilms um, is kind of making its way through. And because I, I know that there's going to be more trilogies for Star Wars, you know, whether it's a, a new nine part trilogy or if it's just a, a spinoff of three, I don't know. Right. But I do know that it's trilogies. The movies are going to be coming in trilogies. I don't think there's going to be any spinoff, one-off movies. Um, and I, I think it's all going to be tri- trilogy based and really you don't have anything to spin off a, a, a you know, a, a one trick pony, so to speak, because it's all going to be related. All those one-offs were related to mainstream. That's so, a good point. That's a good point. Um, I think it's all trilogies. I think they should, I, what's really going to end up happening is it's going to be a three part trilogy. And my guess is depending on how it goes, is if they continue that or if they go a different direction because the Star Wars universe is quite vast and there's a lot of different directions that yep. uh, you know they can obviously go in. So uh, time is on their side, um, and we'll just have to be very, very impatient mm-hmm. about it. But speaking of non-mainstream Star Wars, we're finishing up our Mandalorian deep whoop, dive. Whoop, whoop. It's been a lot, a lot, a lot of fun um, going through the first four episodes in our first episode. I think we're a little more prepared this time around. I'm not going to mispronounce names. And uh, I think I've got uh, some better notes. Um, so we should uh, we should be good to go here. Good to go. Let's uh, do it, buddy. You ready? Yeah, let's go. All right. So we kick off uh, episode five. It's called The Gunslinger. And it opens with a space battle uh, versus the bounty hunter Riot Mar. So nice, dude. obviously, proud of you. Yeah, I got so yeah, proud dude. of you, man. Yeah, Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. big jumps. Holy crap! Brain power. <laughs> I don't. I don't need to. Uh, you know, I don't need the line, uh, so to speak. So I'm. I'm good to go. I am ready. Yeah, I'm big. Yeah. Star Wars energy. Dive in, baby. B S W E. Dive, dive, um, dive. But uh, so we open with that um, the gunfight kind of, or I guess the ship fight uh, sort of leaves Mando's ship really beat up. Um, he mm-hmm. he does a maneuver where he stresses the engines that were hit, blows up old Riot Mar, but needs a repair and needs it fast. So where do we go? Well, 
why not old Tatooine where everything started and spoiler alert for rise of Skywalker ends on Tatooine. We go there uh, in the Mandalorian and we land there in Moss Eisley. Uh, it's still pretty scummy and it's still pretty villainy, but uh, we love it. Wretched we love our, our Moss Eisley. That's right. We, we love it. Um, we meet the mechanic Peli Mato. Um, she is kind of running what looks like the same hangar as where the Millennium Falcon was so long ago in A New Hope. It is the um, same. And that's it not is the same hangar, actually. Bing, bing, bing. Yeah, it was and, confirmed yeah. like a couple days ago, actually. Yeah. So, and that's not the only thing that we'll recognize here in Moss Eisley. Um, one of the other things uh, that that you're seeing before or rather as you're going through the city or as mando's going through the city the stormtrooper helms on pikes obviously the empire had a, a pretty decent hold in moss Eisley uh from a new hope there were a lot of stormtroopers around when old obi-wan and luke uh young luke back in the day luke uh bullseye womp rat luke was <laughs> t16 you know, wandering luke, around day one that's right t16, t16 luke day bullseye. one t16 blue milk luke blue milk um, that's my stage name there. dog that's uh we have an ep coming out <laughs> under the name of oh, blue that's... milk luke check it out guys it's one track it's six hours long uh <laughs> and it's all about blue milk it's really bad actually <laughs> and it's just it's just Luke yelling, Uncle Owen. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 and it's an Amperu going, Luke, Luke. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's not even Don't a beat. Get your milk. Get your milk. Oh, boy. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so Stormtrooper Helms on, on Pikes. Um, and we go to our familiar Moss Isley Cantina. A lot of stuff happened there in history uh, as, star- as we know it. I'm a little disappointed that we were not greeted with the kind of bs if you ask me man i was really yeah, i was pining uh, for it all this nostalgia um of moss Eisley, the hangar the cantina and not only that but guess where young toro calican the young bounty hunter that is trying to talk to mando for some work after he speaks to the droid at the bar where is he sitting why he's sitting in the booth that Han Solo sat in when he fried Greedo. Wild. Absolutely nostalgia, wild. Just nostalgia overload of um, Tatooine and Moss Eisley. It doesn't stop there, but uh, it, it does at this point because we're just going to break down a little bit of who this Toro Calican character is. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> he's a young bounty hunter. He's new. He's trying to get into the guild, which we know uh, old Mando just decimated on Navarro with the help of his other Mando buddies. And old Calican's trying to get into the guild. And what's his first mission? Well, it's to kill Fennec Shand. And he has no idea who that is. In over his head, uh, man. Yeah, well, well, it's okay because she is only a notorious... Uh, gangster hit woman that has worked for the huts along with other crime syndicates in and around the galaxy so uh it should be a walk in the yeah, park literally right? the dirtiest meanest crew that there is like uh guess who else worked for the huts a little guy by the name of boba fett like come on <laughs> like you're dead you're done for like that 
What an idiot. Yeah, so <laughs> she so that's the first mission. Um Mando he, he basically laughs in this guy's face. He's like, Yeah, you don't know what you're doing. Uh we'll see you later, kid. I'm out. And the kid's like, I'll give you all the money. I just want to get into the guilds. Uh considering he needs to fix his ship. Um you yep. go ahead and he takes it. He's like, listen, we're going to do it my way um, because I would like to live. And old Calican says, all right, we'll do that. Um, so they gear up to go. Uh, meanwhile, baby Yoda has wandered off. Uh, I believe it's the rising Phoenix. That's the ship name. Um, and meets uh, Peli Mato where she kind of schemed to, to make Mando pay a little extra for babysitting. Austin, Austin hold on. Whoa, boy. Whoa, boy. Uh-oh, uh-oh, did I mess it up? It's the Razor Crest. That, well, that's the make and model of the ship. It doesn't have a name. Rising Phoenix is the name of their uh, jetpacks. Ah, uh, ooh, you're right. Oh, uh, God. Maybe we'll cut that out. I thought I was you doing know what? so well. You, got, you, you gotta take it head on, Austin, and you gotta let the people throw stones at you. You gotta let that's the, all right. you in the stocks. That's fine. Uh, I'll do it. Make yeah. fun of you, you know? You just gotta take it head on. I I will do that for the people. <laughs> Rather, sorry, rather. sorry. So he meets, he meets uh, Baby Yoda meets Patty. That's right. Um, and that's when Toro and Mando get on those speeder bikes and head out into the desert. Uh, another quick nostalgia moment: that speeder bike is the same one that old Anakin rode. Uh, I believe it was in Attack of the Clones. So, yep. um, more just a lot of a lot of Easter eggs in this episode, which is a lot of fun. Uh, but wait, 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 wait. You mean the same speeder bike where Anakin rode out and killed women and children? <laughs> yeah, where he really embraced the old dark side by slaughtering sand people. I wasn't powerful enough. Sorry. I, just, I love that part. So good. Perfect acting. <laughs> I don't know if it's Hayden Christensen or if it's his writers. So, you know, he. Oh, I mean, he mo- did most, what he certainly, could. most certainly, I, I would say. Uh, a, a potent mix of writing and then George Lucas, like not being restrained and kind of just going off the hook and just doing saying whatever. But that, that's a, <laughs> that is a discussion for another time. Right. Yeah. And we don't want to dive down that wormhole. Um, so essentially they ride out to the desert. They see a tagged body hanging off um the lizard monsters from uh, New Hope. I don't know their names. I didn't bother looking up because I wanted to call them lizard monsters. They're basically oversized iguanas. Um, uh, I believe yeah, they're called see... dewbacks, but I could be wrong too. I'm pretty sure they're called dewbacks. Yeah, uh, iguanas, oversized <laughs> iguanas. So Mando goes to check it out. The guy's been zapped by a sniper. Um, and sure enough, some sniper shots start raining in on them it is fennec sean hold up and trying to make sure that she does not have any tails on her um that's when mando tells calican we're waiting for dark and we'll make our move there um so they head they wait till dark and they basically they head in towards a canyon connor can you tell me what canyon uh, wow. I actually don't know this. Like, I don't know this, if this is for sure. I'm going to guess that it's beggars Canyon where you are absolutely correct. Hey! Yes. Beggars Canyon. Wow. Um, I used to fly. Where my, do we know? <laughs> I used to fly my T 16. 
the bullseye womp rats in there. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Continue. <Yeah. laughs> that is one of the nostalgia pieces. Yeah. I was about to say that is where Luke did go. Um, also the pod racing in yes. uh, Phantom Menace, yes. Beggar's Canyon, probably on the other side, uh, not where they were shooting um, each other, but uh, that's where the battle happens. They race in with speeder bikes, shooting essentially flashbang flare guns to blind this it looks like an infrared scope that Sean has yep. on her sniper rifle. Um, you know, of course, Calican sucks and he shoots one like straight into the ground and Mando gets zapped or his speeder bike does Ping. rather. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, if I could pull on the reins here a little bit, I got a yeah. couple, got yes. a couple interesting things to say here, pal. Okay. Uh, really quickly, really quickly, backing up just like one second. When they're on the way to Phoenix Sean's hideout, they get caught by the sand people. Uh, you remember that scene? He's looking at. Oh, Q that's right. That's the right. Banthas. And they negotiate uh, sign language. I totally forgot. Yes. Uh, did you realize that they got caught the exact same way that Luke does, where he's looking at two uh, sand people looking at a single bantha? They pop up in the screen, surprise them. Uh, so it kind of, whereas it, in the beginning, it was kind of just like, oh, that just happened to Luke. But now it's like, is this a tactic they use? Do they intentionally have like a spread team or they have like the, the decoy and then they have like the, the people sneak up behind them? So that's something to think about. Um, it's just something cool. Uh, I just want to put a feather in their cap for doing this. Uh, they did hire an actual deaf actor and they let that actor kind of work on the sign language for this universe. Um, so during that gift exchange scene, that was kind of a, a little bit of improv, a little bit of direction from this deaf actor. So I thought that was really cool. Um, it's also reminiscent. Uh, I'm not sure how much you know about Afghan warlords, but um, a lot of the warlords that operate in the highlands of, Ga- of Afghanistan and those mountains, they actually require gifts typically uh, to allow passage uh, through their valleys and through their mountains. So I thought that was kind of a nice touch. The other thing uh, I want to point out. So they rush in. Uh, Calican's terrible. He shoots an impotent uh, flare into the ground. Mando gets pinged. Uh, he will mention that he was okay because he got hit from far enough away for the MK modified rifle to not penetrate, right? Mm-hmm. This is the first time we really get any specific information on what can actually damage or potentially even penetrate properly forged Beskar because up to this point it's like okay Beskar is just super steel like what is it so uh, I I thought that was really interesting this is the first time we've also ever heard of anything called an MK modified rifle uh, in the Star Wars universe lore Uh, so that's like the first time we've heard of a weapon system with you know that precedes that's preceded by MK Uh, one thing I want to point out maybe you might have noticed this in terms of like real world props, uh, her gun is actually built from an SVD, a Dragunov, uh, to the layman. So, uh, you, and you, if you go back and look at the scene, you can tell by the the gas return on the barrel, and then the stock, and kind of with the scope placement, it's uh, it's definitely a Dragunov. So um, I don't know if that was purposeful because they like the look of it, or if that's just what they had to kind of work off of. I'm not really sure, but yeah, huh? That, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, but please continue. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I'll also, I'll just add a quick aside with your tactics of the sand people. Don't forget, they usually walk in a straight line to hide their numbers. You know, I need to, I just needed to drop that uh, knowledge, knowledge from well, I'm proud of you. <laughs> Real fan. Real fan. You're working your way back from that mess up earlier. 
<laughs> I gotta, I gotta try, right? I gotta try. I'm sure though I'll have a good joke come up at some point. You know, I'm good for one, you know, one a night. Um, they close it. That's right. That's right. They just, you know, moments of brilliance followed by moments of complete idiocy. So it happens a lot. Anyway, um, basically, Mando's on his butt. Uh, Sean zeroes in on him. It looks like he could take another hit. And uh, Calican basically saves him, gets into a little hand fighting, uh, gets his ass kicked a little bit. But by then, Mando makes his way up and pulls his blaster on Shan. And I think she knows by then with a Mandalorian that she cannot try any funny business. Right. Um, they tie her up and Mando says, hey, uh, Calican, go get the oversized iguana um, because one of our speeders got hit and we're not riding three to one. Um, Shan kind of says, oh, he's running the show. And Tora puffs his chest and says, no, it's my show. Um, and Mando's like, all right, whatever, I'll go do it. I really do not care that much. Um, <laughs> and th- that whole time, I'm like, oh, great. Shan's going to kill this dude and get away, and that's going to be that. But she tries to sweet talk him a little bit. Here's of somebody kind of, uh-huh. not kind of, but essentially destroying the guild on Navarro, puts two and two together and gambles a guess on Mando being the one that did it. And talks to Toro and says, hey, look, you think I'm worth something. Mando and that armor are worth way more than what I'm going to bring in. So why don't you go ahead? Let me go. Let's take them down together. And you can be a hero and I'll just go on my way. And it really looks like old Toro, because he's young, he's proud, he wants to show he's worth it. Mm -hmm. Walks over and instead of letting her go via uncuffing her, puts a blaster hole right in her chest and Blah! lets her leaves her to die. Uh, he goes back to Moss Eisley. He has seen baby man or baby Mando, baby Yoda with uh Pelly. So he knows that Mando kind of has someone or something that he's trying to get back to. Uh, mm-hmm. Mando shows up with the iguana sees that Shand is dead and is like, ah, crap. So he heads yeah. back, um, and that's where we get into our little hostage situation where he's got baby Yoda um, as a hostage, calls Mando out for destroying the guild on Navarro, says he's going to take his best scar, he's going to turn him in, he's going to be a hero. Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Mando's like, yeah, I don't think so, kid, and fires off a flashbang. That's how you flare. do it. This is how you do it, kid. <laughs> Yeah, this is where you shoot it into the ground. Close quarter situation. Shoot it in the ground. He gets blinded. Uh, he tries to try and find Mando. Mando already flanked him. Blows his, <laughs> not blows his head <laughs> off, but yeah, yeah. exactly. Smokes Laser him. blast temple. Yoda drops, but it's okay. Poor and Yoda, dude. Dude, he gets he gets tossed he around gets beat up quite a little bit. bit but we'll get to the we'll get to him getting beat up eventually. But yes, we will. Oh boy. Um. But the episode does not end there. They take off, but we end with a mysterious figure looking over Shan's body. And um, I I don't want to say anything. Well, I get, you know, we're breaking down the episodes anyway, and it's all spoilers. So Uh, yeah, I want to talk about uh, it. Moff Gideon. Yeah. Moff Gideon. Is that him? I think it is. Um, I think that you hear a droid. 
uh, in the background as he approaches, and that just screams Imperial to me, Imperial droid. Uh, I think that's Moff Gideon that is uh, overlooking Shan's dead body. You know, at that point when the episode came out, I knew that uh, Giancarlo Esposito was part of this project, and I I figured that was him. And then when I saw him, uh, you know, later, and the, the attire he was wearing, it seemed to match up. But I got to say, man, I'm not really sure why they put him in there, I guess, as a way to, like, tease that he's coming. But... But there's no way, there's, there's no plot development exactly. for you to even know who he is. Like, if he was already <laughs> on his case right there, like, he's so close. Like, I, I don't know. That seemed a little suspect to me. And I, I want to say, like, could this be another character we have yet to meet that it has some tie-in with the guild instead? Like, is either trying to cleanse the guild and, like, hates Mando or, you know, whatever. But I, I don't know. So I'm not, I'm pretty sure it's Moff Gideon. It was just a weird, a weird way to include him. Um, yeah um yeah yeah no, there's, there's, I'm, I'm with you there's one other thing i just wanted to mention so the actor that plays calican his name is jake Cannavale. uh his father is bobby Cannavale, who's been you know he's been in a lot of stuff um he did an interesting move uh on social media uh the debut night of rise of skywalker this guy this actor gets on instagram and rips the movie to shred super vulgar saying it sucks, it's terrible. He's nice to the other, the fe- his fellow actors, but he's like, this movie sucks, it's awful. And I just, I'm thinking like, good thing your character's dead, dude, because like, that's not your <laughs> part. What are you doing? What the hell? Well, he certainly won't be any uh, other Star Wars stuff, so. Yeah, I was like, ugh. Like, I didn't like the movie either, but if I was like, you know, trying to be an actor and getting paid, I'd be like, uh, yo, Star Wars for life, it's the best franchise ever. Never had an Ooh, issue. I- like, <laughs> I can't wait to hear why you didn't like it. That's a, a another a, you know another episode, but yeah, I, you know I've heard I've heard similar things, um, but as far as well, I'm not gonna get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, but again, conversation for, for another, another time, time. Another time. But what I will get into is episode six of the Mandalorian called the Prisoner. Nice transition. Um, we <laughs> start with Mando. Uh, he's flying into a space station and he meets uh, what seems to be like an old buddy named Ranzar Malk or Ran. Uh, he's a, a scummy crime guy that apparently Mando used to run jobs for and with. Yep. Doesn't exactly run him anymore. He's kind of fat and old, so I understand why. But he's got a job for Mando. I think he understands Mando's looking for money. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come here. And he introduces him to a crew. Crew. Uh, that crew is led by a guy named Mayfield, who is Bill Burr. I love Bill Burr. He, he's a very funny I. comedian. He's wow. absolutely hilarious. Um, I love his character. I'm was absolutely shocked that it it was him. I'm like, I oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I didn't know if it was gonna work or not. Uh it did work. I think it did. I think it worked really well, but you have to admit when you, when I first saw him, I was like, uh, wow. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That is we'll my see. exact thoughts too. I was like, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. he's in a former Imperial sharpshooter, not a stormtrooper. I love that <laughs> joke because obviously the running joke around star Wars is stormtroopers cannot hit anything. We've seen in depth, pictures of why and it's because the helmets actually cover 
the eyes of a human. So nobody can actually see anything. And that's why they always miss and can never hit stuff. Um, and that's why yes. <laughs> Bill Burr's character Mayfield screams that he's not a stormtrooper because he can actually hit things as a sharpshooter, which I just, I love that not yeah, to nice touch. It's, it's not even an actual star Wars thing. It's the culture surrounding it from just you and me and, and everybody else out there that realized that stormtroopers actually cannot hit a thing. Um, so I love that aspect, and we'll get into another one of those later. But uh, the rest of the team, I'm going to butcher these names, but uh, here we go. Do it, baby. Uh, Twi'lek Zian is the uh, alien woman, which apparently may or may not have a history, perhaps mm-hmm. a weird relationship history with Mando. Um, she's kind of a provocative character uh as far as mm-hmm. a little nasty mandalorian little nasty. plus can allow um we're also introduced to the hulk deveronian berg is his name uh the big devil monster that's quote unquote the muscle and then the droid q9-0 also known as zero so that is the crew um i believe that's five including mando that is going to Go ahead and go on this job. And what is that job, you ask? Well, it's to target the New Republic prison ship or a New Republic prison ship. As you know, the Empire has fallen. Uh-huh. Uh, the New Republic has been formed um, in its place, essentially being a more democratic society. So think Roman Empire. It was the Senate for a while. And then the emperors took over. And then the Republic came back and did away with emperors again um so think of it in that way uh that's kind of what's going on with the new republic Uh so they gotta use mando's ship which i'm not gonna say uh any names or or anything like that it's a ship that mando flies (laughs) (laughs) and there's some safe nice and safe pal uh there's some back and forth like mando's getting a little bullied here actually um they want him to remove his helmet. He says no. He gets mocked for the this is the way by Zian. Um, he gets into it with Berg, and Berg's trying to rip his helmet off and hits a button. And who do we see behind door number one? Baby Yoda hiding out Ugh. in the ship. Uh, so everyone's like, okay, what's this green baby looking thing doing? And why is it with him? Um, Very uncomfortable scene. Very uncomfortable. I was yes, super nervous. Because these guys are all very scummy. And yeah. Mayfield actually picks it up and says, boy, I might want to keep it as my pet. Um, all these other things that you're like, boy, just put them down before I jump through my TV and beat yeah. you up. Uh, but before anything bad happens, they drop out of hyperspace and Zero says that they're there and to get ready. So what does Mayfield do? He actually drops Baby Yoda. Peace. <laughs> He of drops garbage. him on the floor and there's a little <laughs> <laughs> from him getting dropped, which is absolutely terrible. Brutal. Uh, we should not laugh. Hate it. Um, I hated it. Abs- every second of that. Um, but they, they break into the ship. It's supposed to be just droids, which uh, makes it okay, I guess. Um, old, you know, Berg, all muscle, no brain shoots one of the little mouse droids uh the four-legged toasters that drive around 
uh, zaps one and alerts the really big bad security bots. Um, oh, yeah, baby, on the ship. They wow. I mean, they are like the most serious droids I've ever seen. Speaking of those droids, and speaking of Kotor. Okay, clap it out. Those droids uh, were loosely based on the chassis and overall form of the HK Assassin droids from KOTOR. Um, oh. The HK Assassin droids, uh, as you will as you will find, and I'm so happy that you're going to play that game, Austin. I am so happy. <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, they're, they're, it's one of the characters you come across, and what, it's one of your potential companions is an HK Assassin droid. And uh, you'll you'll see why they wanted to base it off of him. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, but just shout out to Kotor. Kotor has been so influential in so many ways to so many Star Wars IPs um, outside of the uh, the actual Kotor games. Um, just a, a little taste, a little hint of it. Uh, Ray is based off a character named Bastila. Um, Kylo Ren is based off a character named Revan. Uh, there, there's just there's so there's a there's a couple things in the latest movie that are based off of Kotor. It's an amazing game. I can't wait for you to play it, man. But please, please continue. Yeah, and maybe that's because Kotor is so heavily drawn off of for uh, Star Wars content. Why not just go to the well and and you know True. build up from there? True so that. maybe that's another thing. But uh, they get pinned down by these badass droids and. Mando is gone and they're like, of course he ran away. He ditched us. But in fact, he flanked them and just goes absolutely in (laughs) on these droids, destroys them. It's (laughs) anything of anything. Um, and just crushes them, man. It's awesome. It is badass. A little bit of CQC. Uh, (laughs) Yes, exactly. For those that don't know, that is close quarters combat. For those of you at home that do not know, uh, military acronyms. So, yeah, he displays his elite abilities. Um, they make it to the control room, and surprise! There's a human in there in the classic Republic guard dork hat garb. <laughs> yeah, the weird elongated Ugh. hat that kind of looks like it could fit on a motorcycle or a bull um, from like Pier One Imports that your mom oh. would get. <laughs> Ugh. I was happy um, that guy died, to be honest, but sorry. Wow. Well, <laughs> he, he does die, but Mando doesn't want him to. He's got a tracker beacon, right. and if it's activated, the cavalry's coming, and they will blow that ship out of the sky. But, uh, yeah, uh, old Zian tosses a knife into him, kills him, but he activates the beacon, so they have 20 minutes to get their mission done and get out before they are space dust. So off they go. Um Beep beep, uh, beep 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 beep. Well, there, boy. They, All right, I gotta, oh, okay. I gotta, I gotta say some stuff. I gotta say some stuff. Let's do it. Um, Let's do it. Well, I just, I wanted, to, I wanted to discuss something a little bit with you. Um, okay. I didn't really understand what Zian's character really was all about. I think until this scene, and I'll tell you why, Austin. Okay. This seems pretty strange. Not only is Mando now avoiding killing them, but He's also voicing that opinion very strongly among a crew uh, of people that ostensibly he was similar to in his past, uh, especially since, you know, there's that connection he has with Zian. They, yes. they, he ran with her at some point, so they had to work together. So they had to be somewhat similar, right? So I'm, I'm thinking, is he gaining like significant humanity from his time with the child, with Baby Yoda? Like, I, I just, I think it's so interesting because 
like how could he go from someone who hangs out with Zian, who's cool with that and like tolerates like her super murderous <laughs> vibe and then all of a sudden is like uh yeah that's the old me like let's not do this guys and then he's the odd one out like i just i thought that was such an interesting choice so let's let's rewind to a crazy theory I just thought of, like, right this second. Oh, whoa, okay. Okay, uh, I'm, ready. I'm ready. Baby Yoda, obviously, one with the Force. The Force is with him. We all know that. Mando has no idea. Where does this take its turn? It takes its turn when they open that crib and Baby Yoda lifts a hand up hmm. and looks at Mando, presumably. Now, he can be influenced by the Force. Baby Yoda mm-hmm. has no control over this. And considering how Force-tied destiny and all this stuff kind of inter, you know, intermingles uh, and, and, and webs together, is that the turning point of a almost a good Force influence on Mando, who, as we saw in episode one before that, had no problem carbon freezing somebody um, despite their pleas, apparently right. killing people was fine. He zaps the droid, saves Baby Yoda. The more time he spends, the more you see this transformation. Um, and, and it's just you know, it's just his theory. Is this you know, as the four, as our understanding of the Force, it is in all things. It flows in and out of everything. Yeah. There's Force sensitive creatures that kind of are able to manipulate it in a way. Baby Yoda obviously can do these things. He has no idea what he's doing, but is it a a, a little bit of destiny? Is like a little aura. bit of, yeah. of force influence that Baby Yoda has no idea is happening. Mando doesn't know what's happening, but this good aura kind of coming off of these two people and, and blending together kind of one in a good force nature and mm-hmm. that changes him. So that's just some weird, crazy theory that just popped into my mind as you I, were talking about his transformation. So I, uh, I got, yeah, first of all, that was spicy. Congratulations on just popping off there. Um, I'm going to say, I think there's some legs to that and I'm not, I'm not going to go as far to say baby Yoda is extending like a specific force power that's like mind affecting or mind influence like uh you know you will let us pass or you, you, whatever nothing like that i don't think no no but no i, I agree. will it's say not, i will not, say not directed yeah i think baby yoda is a very strong conduit of the force and a very strong beacon of i think destiny too and i think you're right i think he's uh, <laughs> you could say he's leaking um a little bit of this influence just by you know, nature of being. And I think because he spent so much time with that and also, I mean, he's just incredibly adorable and I feel like human beings tend to latch on to things that have big eyes and small, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like a puppy I could, ch- could change the hardest of hearts. Uh, you know? So um, I think it's a bit of both. I think it's some of both of those things, but yeah, I think, I think you're probably right. I think there is the force strongly at work in his heart. Um, but yeah, that, uh, the dork with the Ikea bowl dies <laughs> <laughs> and the, uh, they're, they're on their way. Yeah. They got 20 minutes. They locate the prisoner and who is that prisoner? None other than, I think it's Ken or Quinn. I'm not really sure Quinn. how it's Quinn. Quinn. Okay. K I N or Q I N Quinn. 
that doesn't make sense, but here we are. Uh, it's actually the brother of Zian. And we find out that uh, Quinn was betrayed by Mando and left behind. And I think we had a inkling of this because Mando was the first one to jump down into the prison ship and all the goons looked at each other and kind of did the whole goony thing where they're gooning around um, before the mission starts and mm-hmm. they make a goony decision. So we that comes to fruition. Quinn's the target. They get him out and Mando gets a nice swift kick in the rear into the cell and he is going to be left behind or so we think. So Quinn is going to be extracted. Mando is stuck on the ship. But uh, of course, mm-hmm. that's not the story. Uh, a droid is walking by and Mando shoots a grappling hook into the droid, destroys it, and gets it to open the door very awesomely. What a beast. Um, and he gets to the control room and he starts shutting and turning doors off and on to separate the group and actually read something that uh i wanted to share Uh it's kind of like uh alien when the xenomorph yeah is just targeting and and isolating individuals to eliminate so Mm -hmm. i i um, I would say i would i would go a step further i think it's almost an homage uh to alien uh, the Ooh. isolation and the, the, the white, out. like the white, yeah, the lights, the white walls. Yeah. I mean, the fact that it becomes, I mean, it, it reads exactly like a horror movie. Uh, and it's awesome. I, I, I'm glad that they were able to make him appear so scary. Yeah. Um, such, such an, just this whole show has just been awesome, man. Um, yep. but, uh, the first one to go down is the big Devonori or excuse me, Deveronian. There you go. Uh, um, sorry, I, I uh, definitely <laughs> dyslexic read that. Um, Berg, he gets into a big fight, and the big dude could take some hits. Took some whistling, yeah. Uh, was it whistling birds? Um, took some flamethrower to the face. Yeah, and dude, it massive. took two doors to basically take yeah, him out. The doors. Okay, 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 okay. <laughs> First of all, uh, I love. I love that they added this. They basically created this for the show, but Deveronians, uh, at least on screen, I'm not going to talk to the books because um, I don't know, but at least on screen, Deveronians haven't been expanded on that much. I know they've been in the animated series quite a bit, but it appears that the red ones at least are invulnerable or highly resistant to fire, which I think is perfect because they look like devils. That makes a lot of sense. Um so the person, Austin, who plays Berg in this show, the actor, do you know who it is? Uh, I do not. Are you familiar with the wonderful animated show, SpongeBob SquarePants? Oh. <laughs> uh, I do dabble. And by dabble, yeah. uh, I'm, I, know. I am I know a you huge do. fan. I know you do. <laughs> okay, so I want you to guess, of the cast, of the characters on SpongeBob SquarePants, who plays berg the deveronian because they share an actor uh is it larry the lobster that is a really, really good, good guess because they're both big and red big deep voice but no it is um, a similar character i will say similar character um they belong to the same genus <laughs> is it mr krabs big 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 mr krabs is played by clancy brown uh who plays uh, Berg the Deveronian? Um, 
Famously, uh, he also plays the Kurgan in the Highlander film, the 1986 Highlander film, which if you haven't seen that, Austin, it will basically ruin Mr. Krabs for you because they sound exactly the same. And the Kurgan is like, there's a scene where he's in a church and he's like making these sexual gestures towards a bunch of nuns, dude. It is nasty, but great film. (laughs) Highly recommend it. Um, Also, just fun fact, he does play Savage Oppress, who's Darth Maul's brother in the Clone Wars animated series, uh, who has a pretty big role and is a great character. So something to chew on there. But uh, uh, I I just the last thing I want to say, I definitely thought his head got chopped off. Oh, I I, for sure. I was like, whoa, was holding the first door. Um, Which was sweet, by the for way. Crushing him, really cool. and I was like, I was like, wow, this dude, literally, wow, he's really gonna do some damage then. And then the second door just comes out of nowhere. Wow, oh, what was that accent? <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. nowhere. It goes out of nowhere, Lassie. <laughs> <laughs> wow, uh, that was interesting. Um, but yeah, it literally comes out of nowhere. And I, I was like, wow, that was really gruesome because that definitely chopped his head off. <laughs> the way they edited it, it was like, okay, his his face, not even his head, his face got just erased. At yes, least that's what it, it, just what it appeared to be. But yeah. anyway, 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 essentially yeah. that um, on the flip side, as Mando is, is single uh, eliminating the members of his quote unquote crew, Zero is in the cockpit. He finds a message from Grief Karga, um, Carl Weathers, and he's trying to decipher and play it, but, you know, Baby Yoda kind of just comes out of nowhere and, like, appears next to him, um, and Zero wants to basically, I guess, kill him, gets up, Yoda's gone, and so then it's that cat and mouse game with Zero uh, simultaneously as Mando's going through. So it's it's really cool, uh, what is that, like a cross-correlation or cross-parallel um, you know, storyline, uh, Mando's doing his thing. Yoda's doing his thing kind of a thing. Um, but anyway, uh, Mando then takes down ZN, uh, puts a knife to her throat and as en- essentially gets her to yield. Um, and then he mm-hmm. just, I mean, basically yeah. takes down, uh, Mayfield pretty easily. And it's Quinn and him. Uh, by the way, Quinn, told mayfield get me off this ship leave my sister yeah nice uh, family in, dude what insert joke that that might literally be the verbatim line that bill burr says as quinn says that to him so i'm pretty sure it yes yeah <laughs> um but mando catches up to him and sure enough uh quinn's like is everybody dead and mando cryptically answers they got what they deserved which I was like, yeah, they're all toast. They all die. The he killed them all. Blood, yeah. Hell yeah. There's a headless devil dude in the control room. Zian's got her throat cut down the hall and Mayfield just a puddle of mush because he's human. But uh, Quinn basically, instead of taking him back to a cell, he says, I know you need to get paid on this job. Take me out of here and we will get paid together. Um, I think it's important to note that Mando did pick up the tracker beacon when he went back into the control room. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll put a nice little bookmark right there. Uh, as we tail off to the end of the episode, Mando goes back to the station, gets paid and gets in the ship and leaves. Um, Ran and Quinn are giggling that they're going to betray Mando. Uh, Ran gets a pretty slick looking fighter ready to launch, but what is in oh, Quinn's yeah. pocket? 
the old boop, the old switcheroo of the tracker beacon. Classic. Rand knows exactly what it is. Doesn't look like Quinn does. Uh, but what uh, what would a episode of the Mandalorian be without some nostalgia? Um, three X wings come in. Um, they see the tracker beacon. They see a ship with a fighter about to launch, and they say, "All right, we got to take this out." <laughs> and sure enough, they end up blowing it up. Quinn's yeah. dead. Rand's dead. Mando's out of there. He jumps to hyperspace right as the X wings close in. Yeah. And the the episode actually ends with Zian, Berg, and Mayfield locked in Quinn's cell. They're all alive. Mando is not a heartless killer. Um, Everybody lived. I don't know how Berg lived. Probably because his skull skull stopped it. But like it must have scrambled his brains. Man, his skull must be thicker than a bowl of oatmeal. Yeah, which is another point of lore, I guess, is that at least his specific race i'll say of deveronian is like just overpowers hell and like can just withstand withstand so much physical damage uh a couple things here pal before we move on to chapter seven um the ship you mentioned did you know that was a uh, collaboration between porsche and star wars that little fighter that was coming up to pursue mando you know, no, but now that you mention it, I mean, it looked slick. immensely slick. Yes. Like, so, so I'm not overly surprised to hear that. Yeah, there's a little video about how they designed the ship and everything. We can uh, definitely attach it to this uh, this episode so everybody can check it out. But yeah, man, it's was a really cool project. Um, too bad it just blew up. But <laughs> <laughs> Right. I, I will say, the last thing I want to say is, so those New Republic pilots, they zoom in, they uh, they see the tracker beacon and they just see the space station and they're like they're so nonplussed they're just like all right i guess we're gonna assault this now i just thought it was kind of it it was funny i guess but i was like huh like there's like let's just kill these guys like i don't know well i think there's some hesitation and then one of them's like wait are they trying to launch a fire Fighter? Yeah, I see that. Okay, threat. You know, it's like threat detected. We got to take it out. Yeah, Beacon's there. Doesn't make any sense, but they're about to launch a fighter. Uh, that's not cool. So let's blow them out of the sky. And I do want to point out, we don't specifically see them die. And I feel like on TV nowadays, if you don't specifically see them die, they might be coming back. So that's true. That is 100% true. And I'm looking at you, Stranger Things and Hopper. That, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> Uh, because everybody turned to mush. We all saw it, but we didn't see him turn to mush. Yeah. You can't tell me he's not alive. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> wrong, wrong. Uh, yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll, wrong we'll talk about service. it some other time, buddy. Wrong streaming service. Um, <laughs> Moving on, right? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, I'll get to it in a second okay, uh, okay, after okay. we break this down. Um, Episode seven, it's called The Reckoning. Woo-hoo. Um, we open with a message from Grief Karga about Navarro, uh, the client. That is how we know. Yeah, that's how we know our first Imperial contact as the client has increased the Imperial presence on Navarro tenfold. Um, he wants his help killing him, uh, essentially saying, look, it's out of hand now. If you do this. The guild will be off your back to Mando. He knows he's always going to have to run while the guild and the client are after him. 
understands the risk, but even more so the situation that with both of those threats, one eliminated, the other off his back, they will not have to worry about running anymore. Makes the decision to go ahead. He thinks it's fishy. He doesn't trust grief, but is going to go ahead and do it. But before he does that, we're going to go recruiting. We're going recruiting. Recruiting. The band is getting back together. That's so right. Uh, oh. And I think we had to have known that it was going to happen because, of course, we did. Uh, he goes back to, oh gosh, where is she? Um, I think I had, I was going to write the planets down, but then I was like, no, that's, I don't need to. Um, uh, he goes uh, back. I, I wrote it down. I wrote it down. I wrote it down because I don't know what's going on. It's like Stargon or something. Stargon, uh, 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 something like that. Oh, God. I don't know. And... I nope. I'm a failure. All right. It's fine. It's fine. Well, I I had it, but I decided not to read it. I don't know why I even mentioned it, but he goes back. He gets Cara Dune. Um, She is fighting uh, a fun fact. She's fighting the same race uh, that Darth Maul is, but without all the Sith tattoos. So that's a little fun fact. Do you know what that race is called? I do not. They are the Darth Maulians. <laughs> That's right. You're right. No. Uh, <laughs> they are known as the Zabrak. They're the true Zabrak. The Zabrak culture extends beyond their actual race, uh, but they are Zabraks. Um, what's cool uh, in, I believe this is Legends, but this actually might be the normal canon too. They're from the planet of Iridonia, uh, which uh, they were, in KOTOR, you'll learn all about them, Iridonians. Uh, but they are kind of the brutal precursor to a lot of like warrior cultures uh, huh. that kind of develop in the in the Star Wars uh, universe. So something to look out for there, buddy. Oh wow, Kodor literally has like everything. And it's anything the DNA. It's literally the DNA for everything. It's so uh, good. You got it. Wow. You got it. You got to play it. You got to play it. Yeah. Well, I am. I did buy it. Ten bucks. Mm-hmm. Like I said. Anyway. Um. So he goes. He gets Cara Dune. Uh, she beats the crap out of this guy, which is awesome. Um, and then uh, he heads back and picks up the homie Quill and surprise IG-11 that got Who zapped knew? episode one. There is a tense wow. sequence when Mando pulls his blaster, but IG-11 is now a nurse droid. And we get to see the story of Quill teaching IG-11 to be a nurse and to be gentle with its touch. Um, it can serve Dean out. That's pretty tight. Amazing stuff. I, I was so happy. I thought IG-11 was a one-off thing. He's not coming back. No way. I didn't even think about him. And there he is, man. Like, he's going to be part of, like, the, the climax of the show. I, I could not be more happy. Especially since it's Taika Waititi, who's incredible. Right. Um. So, yeah, we, we meet that. We have our tense moment with IG-11. Mando's okay. We actually get some... Uh, piranaguans on the ship as well. That's part of the deal. Some piranaguans and IG-11 have uh, to come for Quill to come. <laughs> okay. So okay, okay. Yeah, that's right, dude. You can't dispute piranaguan. This it is, is better. It is better than Blurk. I, I, I will admit, it's better than Blurk. Especially yeah. since we it's just better than a vomit yeah. noise. Especially since we just met a character named Berg. Yeah, yeah, Berg. Come on, guys. <laughs> piranaguans. piranaguans. Um, so that, that's the agreement. Um, we have, a, 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 I, I don't know if there was a, a point to, to this next part, a pretty significant part in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Obviously, we know Baby Yoda. We know old Yoda is a quintessential Jedi master. Arguably, he was the Jedi master of the entire Jedi Council back in the old days of the Republic, Mm -hmm. before the Empire. He was, he knew about, supposedly knew about Darth Sidious. He was tasked with destroying him, failed, and we kind of know how all that goes. So we know Yoda is the quintessential good guy. But what happens here? Uh, Kara and Mando are arm wrestling. Uh, Kara looks like she is starting to win, and what ends up happening? Baby Yoda thinks Mando is getting hurt and force chokes Kara. Whoa! That was so surprising, dude. I was did not see that coming. My, I would, yeah, I could not believe. I was like, whoa, this, this is what? What's happening here? Uh, what? What? Dude, um, I think okay. Uh, spicy hot take incoming. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. I think the point of this scene. I mean, besides as a sort of catalyst to kind of develop the tension between Quill and Kara, and kind of you know, is the crew going to be all right? Sort of a thing. I think this might be a little bit of a setup for a future storyline uh, or character point uh, with Baby Yoda. I think there might be a little bit of a dark side influence thing that kind of develops in later seasons of this show. Um, just because Baby Yoda seems so chaotic uh, a, a couple times throughout the show, it, it just seems like he's not going to have a force mentor. He's not going to have a Jedi mentoring him, at least not yet. We haven't seen any evidence of that yet. So, you know, unbridled, what would a really powerful force user become? It's kind of like. Uh, what was that superhero movie about like basically exploring like what would it be like if Superman grew up and he was like a sociopath? <laughs> um Bright Eyes? I... Bright Eyes or something like that? Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, that might people. be a plot point. Uh it's kind of like what they tried to do with uh with Ray in the most recent movie, which spoiler, sorry. I mean, come on. Uh <laughs> but yeah. Right, exactly. So exactly. I, I'm I'm wondering if that is going to come into play in the second season. I, I agree. I think it's um, to your point. There's no Jedi Master to teach Baby Yoda the ways of the good. So the the Force it's a a very delicate line between light and dark. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we I think it's it's evident. And there was some not so great energy in the ship uh, because Kara is. Well, we don't know this, but she is from Alderaan, so she absolutely hates the Empire. Hates. Um, anyone associated with them yeah uh, quill was actually a slave and had to work for them um it doesn't look like kara really cares about that difference you're the empire or you're not right and there's some tension and quill really kind of has to explain it i mean not necessarily explain himself but really he ends up doing it because he does not want to be associated with the horrors that are the empire um, so maybe some dark energy. Uh, again, we know what the force is. It, it, it's not just something to wield. It moves and it flows through everything. So yeah. if there is a sour or dark moment, did that have an influence? Obviously, Mando is a companion and he want, Yoda wants to keep Kara safe. Right. Um, but with the dark kind of conversation prior to, does that lead Baby Yoda to force choke versus a force push or something? So... I don't know. I, yeah, I definitely agree with uh, reading between all the lines there on that. And I, I think it'll be interesting as yeah. Baby Yoda grows up 
what in you know what what's the influence going to be there so i yeah i'm 100 percent interesting with- thought man that it's that they're kind of playing off each other that one influences the other and you know back and forth i i didn't really think about that but i think you i think you're onto something there detective i, I mean i think and maybe it's because uh because watching Star Wars Rebels, Connor, I, I highly recommend it. I got to watch it. I'm glad that you've seen um, it so you can cover that area of the uh, the universe. Yeah, it's it's really just, without getting too, too much in it, it's right after the Empire forms. So Palpatine comes to power. The Jedi are, gone, are all gone. Um, and so you have there, there's some characters in there that have these discussions. And you get a, a pretty good understanding of the Force from not an over the top Jedi master, if that makes sense. And, and the, the ebb and the flow, the yin and the yang, if you, if you will. Okay. So, um, it, and it really kind of just opens the doors to understanding that the force is not just something that you wield. Um, it, it, it truly is just this every, you know, this everyday thing that, that can be affected and, and molded and influenced whether you want to or not. Um, so that's why I'm kind of thinking, okay, it is a dark conversation. So you're going to influence. It's really like when you think about it, you're sending out energy into the universe, you know, in a very cheesy namaste way. Okay. in Star Wars, sending out energy into the universe, you're actually influenced something in the right. force. It's now, a, if you yeah. have someone that's force sensitive, but doesn't really know how to control it. It's just going to harness whatever concentration is there. If there's a concentration of dark energy, right, dark force, right. yeah. what's going to happen? It's going to harness the dark force. It's going to concentrate that, and it's going to it's going to use it. Um, it's going to draw that emotion. It feels afraid. It feels angry that its friend is. You know, maybe it's influenced from the emotions of the the other characters because they're not sure what Baby Yoda is in itself. You know, I don't know, uh, but I think just in today's society. I think emotions can be oozed and, and influenced by, you know, if someone's having a right. bad day and you're with them all day, you're having a bad day, right. you know, kind of the same thing. So, and the person, boy. and I'll say this and thank you for that spicy, uh, that spicy tangent. That was really good. Um, I'm, I'm just thinking now that you've said that, think about the, the, what's radiating off of Mando this entire time. And especially in this tiny little spaceship, he hates IG 11. He, I mean, he's convinced that IG 11 is still has the assassination protocols in his deep personality core to take out the thing he assumably, assumably, jeez. Oh no, Ooh. I had one of your moments. Uh, it's, uh, <laughs> see, well, let's see what I'm talking about. Assumably, this bad uh, energy out there, you, it's believes, contagious. He believes uh, wants to murder the thing he loves the most. Um, so that is a very dark thought. Very dark thought. Yeah. And he's already killed this thing. So that's true. Very dark. Very dark indeed. But uh they land. They they get there. They make it. They they do eventually land, yes. They they don't have a in-depth discussion of the force uh like we did. They do end up landing and meet uh grief uh with three goons, I believe. Three gr- guild goons. Grief, grief, grief. What are you doing there? Yeah. So they are headed to the city. They're out in the middle of nowhere, really, because um, apparently the Imperials would have detected them. So uh, they pack up the Piranaguans with some stuff and they camp out and just really out of nowhere, these they get attacked by these venomous, massive bat things. <laughs> um, 
one of the piranaguans gets scooped up. <laughs> That's one so the, sad. The oh, other no. one barely lives, barely makes it. One of the goons gets killed, and Grief actually gets tagged Slashed. pretty badly. Um, man, I mean, Mando fights it off. You see Kara machine gunning yep. like a mad woman, which is awesome. I love her. She's the best. She is so, so cool. cool. Um, but we we after that concludes. Kara looks over and is like, yeah, uh, Grief, you're toast, buddy. You're poisoned. Venom, you're done. GG, no re. Um, <laughs> so, uh, <Wow>. yeah. <laughs> cool uh, stuff, dude. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, no one's going to know what that means except for a few people, which is fine. Um, so, Grief is ba- essentially dying. Out and-, and then also poison, just not a good scenario. Yeah, and... What happens? We saw it, I believe, in episode two. Baby Yoda tried to help Mando out when he was hurt. Mm-hmm. Baby Yoda comes over and tries to and puts his hand on him. And <laughs> Grief's like, "Oh no, it's gonna eat me." Eat me. Best. But, okay, I'm sorry. I think Carl Weathers <laughs> might have had the best line in the entire season. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> that eat me. Um, <laughs> but Quill. But this time okay, it's yeah. Quill's like you know wisdom finally he's like let him do it sure enough this is in can i just say austin this is the first time we see a force heal in a live action star wars movie or tv show first time days before we see it happen in rise of skywalker which came out uh yes. like three days later two days later this Crazy. is yeah this is this is true this is the way um th- this is the way and I want to say I think Baby Yoda's is more special because the force healing that we see in Rise of Skywalker, you know, oh boy. I, yeah, dude, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. Well, it'll it'll poison well, us. Essentially, Baby Yoda is a single entity, and the fact that he is able, it is able to to do a force heal is just a tremendous show of force power the kind of power that baby yoda has um we'll definitely talk about why i think that versus in the movie um, rise of skywalker but so baby yoda heals grief and this is where the table turn they get to the city grief zaps his two goons and it's like yeah i was gonna betray you but after i get healed uh i gotta you know here's here's what was gonna happen um, but here's Man what I word. think we need to happen. He's a, yeah. He's a good guy again. Love him. He he is a good guy. Um, awesome. So, well, hold on. Hold on. Can I just say, okay, okay. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get on my soapbox here. So yeah. when this episode came out, I'm in a couple group chats, right? The creatures that attacked the campsite at night, everybody was like, Oh, they're Minox. The Minox are back. And I was, and I immediately was like, no, they're way too big. They have different appendages. They don't have the weird sucker things. Like, they're definitely not Minox. And everybody, including IGN, a couple other websites, were like, oh, the Minox are here. The Minox are back. And I felt like a crazy person. Because I'm like, are... Before before you go a little more further, explain how and where we know what Minox are. When, in the original trilogy, when they are... Uh, they're, they're escaping in the Millennium Falcon through an asteroid field, you'll remember... That uh, to hide and kind of recuperate, they kind of go towards a larger asteroid. Uh, they zoom down to a big old cave, and they're like, "This cave's kind of weird, but we're safe." And then 
uh, a bunch of things start flying against the windows. Those are my knocks, the big sucker things. And uh, Han yep. Solo's like, wait a second, and like shoots the ground and it starts going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that part just reminds me Blue of Harvest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Hold, Hold on, on a, a minute. minute. <laughs> um, something's not and right. And I was like, maybe there's different kinds of Minox, but I was like, no, it's a totally different biome. A, like, Minox were existing in the vacuum of space for the most part. Like, it just didn't make any sense. And as we'll find out officially, they are called bog wings and they're completely different. And everybody that doubted me and said I was stupid, I hate you and I'm always right. And uh, please uh, invite me to your birthday party still. I'm sorry if I got angry at you. <laughs> I did. I said some choice things, Austin, some things I regret. Um, I can only imagine what those things would have been. Yes, but they are they are bog wings, which have appeared already, by the way, in the animated uh, the animated Clone Wars. So uh death to all my haters all right yeah oh and i'm excited i'm gonna be going watching uh the anime clone Wars series here shortly because i'm wrapping up rebels but anyway that's an aside um so they essentially mando comes up with a new plan the original plan was to take baby yoda in uh kill him kill or kill mando take yoda uh life is good but grief obviously has to change the plans because uh, Yoda saved his life, so Quill heads back on the Piranaguan with Baby Yoda to the ship. Um, the new plan, Mando's going to be taken in as prisoner. They're going in with the empty crib, and they're going to kill the client. Mando basically saying, if you can get me close to him, I will get the job done. Um, and so, you know what? That's what we're going to roll with. So sure enough, uh, they go by two scout troopers on speeders at the gates, which we got to bookmark them for next episode. Um, uh, they get by, uh, essentially grief says, uh, you know, taking Mando in for processing. Here's a child, uh, as well. We're expected, blah, blah, blah. So they get in, they get back to the same place in episode one, where we meet the client. Um, the client really wants to see baby Yoda <laughs> the weak excuse of, Oh, it's sleeping. You, you can't wake it up is I can't believe that that worked. <laughs> um, that was probably like the weakest part of the show when Carl weather or yeah. Grief Carl Carga, grief Carga is basically like, <laughs> Oh, well, uh, you know, the, well, the child's sleeping. We, we saw it earlier, uh, but it's sleeping and we can't disturb it. So we actually should, you know, quiet down. But and, I love that the client was like, we will all be very quiet. Will we not? Like he yeah. was like, yeah, okay. Absolutely yeah. took the bait. And I'm like, uh, okay. But Word. that's that's funny. Um so they're they're having a nice little chat. Um the client receives a hologram message from Moff Gideon, who we find out who that is here in a second, but uh once that happens, guns get pulled and then it really looks like really bad odds. And then just immense fire comes from outside the little yeah. holdout that they're in lit up uh, Mando Kara and uh, grief all jump in uh, all the stormtroopers and the client get zapped, but you're like, what in the heck happened out there? Where did all that come from? And we see a ton of stormtroopers. We, we actually get to see, uh, I believe a stormtrooper carrier, a troop carrier. Yeah. Which um, there's some fun facts in there, but 
I know the troop carriers because they're in rebels all the time. Right. So I knew exactly what it was immediately, but we see those, we see the <laughs> essentially the elite storm, the like death troopers and yep. all black. Um, we see so those cool. guys in rogue one. And they're like the personal guard to uh, the director mm-hmm. uh, in that movie. Um, and we see a TIE fighter come in and it's starting to land and you're like, oh, it's a normal TIE fighter. And then it does some foldy bendy stuff. Convertible like, wing not- custom TIE fighter, dude. The first ever. <laughs> come on. It's sick. Uh, and out steps one Moff Gideon. Um, Smooth looking, dude. Looking real yeah. smooth. It, it looks cool. Uh, that happens simultaneously. Mandel's like, uh, Quill, we're screwed. Where are you? Get to the ship. Oh, dude. It's picked up by the scout troopers and oh. they go zooming off. And it's not great. Uh, I can't talk about that part, the, man. The Piranaguan is oh. not a fast beast. I mean, imagine that you're a piranha no! and a, a, a lizard combined, and you're trying to run on two legs with little arms. Dude, I can't Piranaguan, this. Oh, Piranaguan, not great. Um, but essentially what ends up happening, the scout troopers close the distance on Quill. Meanwhile, uh, Moff Gideon gives the lowdown to... Uh, Mando, Grief, and Kara essentially saying, give me the child or I'm going to kill all of you. And, and I know exactly who, who you are. Actually, wait, does he say that in this one? No, that's the next he one. He doesn't right? say that in this one. Um, he <laughs> essentially says, I'm going to kill all of you. Uh, you. You might as well comply. And the episode ends with oh. a dead piranaguan. Quills gets is, is zapped. And the speeders are racing off with Baby Yoda in a bag. Uh, and that is the end of episode seven. Austin, my heart hurts. Oh. Is it because is it because the client was killed? <laughs> okay, okay, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, you do know me. Okay, because I was sad that Werner Herzog was no longer going to be part of the Mandalorian. <laughs> Unless he has a full <laughs> heart transplant and his body somehow survived the fire. But <laughs> Maybe Crazy he'll come back as a cyborg, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Quill, um, as you may or may not know, Austin, was my favorite character from this season. In terms of everything he stood for, the strength of his writing for his character, I thought he was perfect. I thought he was going to become a guiding force, a rock that Mando could rely on, kind of like David Carradine's character in Kung Fu. Uh, he could go back to like the temple and like get some guidance. And then he died and my heart shot out of my butthole into the toilet of despair. I was so sad. Austin. I was so sad. He like, I seriously, I had to turn away from the TV and just hold myself because it it hurt too much. Um, And I don't want to talk about it anymore. So (laughs) Uh, he, yeah. And he delivered one of the iconic lines of Mandalorian. Um, I've spoken Unfortunately, he will be speaking no more. R.I.P. Oh, Quill. R.I.P. Man, I'm- <laughs> in memoriam. Um, <sighs> that will bring us into episode eight, the last episode of the Mandalorian season one, and it left us on a cliffhanger because it was after Christmas that we had to find out what happened to Baby Yoda uh, and the team. How could they do that to us, Austin? 
How could they? I, I feel I couldn't celebrate Christmas. I just I was I thought about Baby Yoda in in uh, in despair and in danger, and uh, the, my eggnog tasted like sawdust, dude. I couldn't enjoy anything. <laughs> <laughs> also, well, before I, we move I, on, Austin, Austin, hold on. Before we move okay, on, yeah, I, just, yeah, I, just, yeah. I want to give a shout out. Uh, Deborah Chow directed uh, Chapter Seven, Episode Seven, and she also directed uh, Chapter Three, uh, which in my opinion, are the two best episodes of this season. I think she killed it both times. I really hope she comes back uh, for the next season as uh, hopefully a feature director for at least more than one episode again. So just wanted to, just wanted to point that out, that she, she really took the helm on some of the biggest episodes. Nice. Yeah. All right. So here it is, the, the end of The Mandalorian already. It feels sad already reaching this point, but... Um, you know what? It opens with arguably the best scene ever. Yeah. Wow. Oh my goodness. I was dying laughing the entire time. (laughs) The two scout troopers come to the edge of the city. Obviously Moff Gideon has just landed. He's talking to our heroes and they radio in and they're like, Hey, can we come in? And uh, the stormtroopers like, "Eh, no, uh moff just blasted a lot of her own dudes um it's real crazy you you don't want to be here right now and they're like okay we'll hold and they just start chit-chatting and one of them just really wants to see baby yoda he's like i I haven't seen him you know it's like squirming and probably the part people didn't like was when the stormtrooper or the scout troopers were hitting dude how could they do that uh and and you just hear this little little grunting noise i guess it gets hit but honestly yeah. just so funny that this scout trooper's like really just wants to see this thing and the other one's like it's just because it's not on your bike and you just you didn't get to see it because <laughs> it's in your bag he's like i just really want to see it. i don't think it's moved like maybe you hit it pretty hard that last time maybe we should check it was so um, yeah it was so natural the way they were talking i feel like this is really the most humanity i mean even <laughs> even though they're terrible humans they're garbage humans it's still the most humanity we've ever seen from stormtroopers like when they're taking pot shots like i was like this is perfect that's exactly what i would be doing in that scenario well they're literally they okay so let's talk about it they see a can or what what i i think is a can in the ground piece of junk um because the other guy the scout trooper with yoda said forget about it i'm not showing it to him so they're kind of just like so the other one takes his his pistol out um it's very familiar. I mean, it's the same one that you see in Return of the Jedi um, when they're on the Endor moon. Same pistol the scout troopers have there. Uh, and they tr- he tries to shoot this can that's probably like 10 feet away, <laughs> if that. And he misses. And the other one sees. He's like, oh, okay. And I'm expecting the other one to hit this thing. And they both miss. And they keep trying. And they just both look at their pistols and put them away. And I was hollering yeah at this part because it's perfect again we talk about uh i think it was episode six where um bill burr's character mayfield is screaming he's not a stormtrooper because he can't hit anything is that that's the the stigma and we literally see it in the opening of this episode and i it's just it's so perfect um a less perfect part though is uh the scout troopers like, okay, I think I need to check on this thing. He opens the bag and he touches it and maybe Yoda bites his finger. <laughs> the uncool part is a, a real pretty tough punch to baby Yoda. Like a hard punch. 
like, like a, a hard, hard punch, punch. And, and the other scout trooper is like take it easy man Dude, like, like it's you, been quite totally deserved that <laughs> and and with that last punch up comes ig11 the nurse droid and the scout troopers are like uh you should get lost get out of here droid uh, blah 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 protocol get out and the scout droids like or ig11's like uh well actually it's my uh base programming to baby. protect this the child, child. <laughs> um i'm a nurse droid uh, you will comply. They pull the pistols and IG-11 just makes their day. It goes or I guess off, ends honey. their day. Ends their life, yeah. I'm pretty sure their skulls yeah. are just powder at this point. Uh, rip yeah. rip uh, Jason Sudeikis and Adam Pally, who played those scout troopers. <laughs> well, kudos to them for doing yeah. an excellent job. Great casting. Um, so, meanwhile, while the scout trooper scene's happening, uh, Moff Gideon is talking with our heroes and he's describing uh, the E-Web cannon, um, which I'm sure Connor will get into a little bit. Yes, but I will. Essentially, it's a heavy cannon. Um, it, it's It's got some bad mam-jamma to it. Um, and I'm excited. Uh, once I get through Clone Wars, I know in Season 7 that the Night of a Thousand Tears on Mandalore, the E-Web cannons were used extensively. Brutal. So Mando knows that Kara knows that really well as well, but this is where we learn a lot. Moff Gideon knows everybody in the room. He sets up the E-Web cannon. He says, you got till sundown before I use this thing. Kara is from Alderaan. We find out which explain. I mentioned that earlier, but explains why she hates the empire. We find out Mando's name is Din Djarin. Um, and we get a, huge flashback we find out he's not actually from mandalore but it's the creed that the makes creed. you mandalorian which i would really like to know where that kind of actually falls in line because everything to that point says that can't be right but anyway that that's another thing um yeah wait okay interesting you- well i guess he's da- he's uh, he's he is adopted as a foundling which yeah. uh, which counts so anyway we see the flashback of his parents carrying him to a cellar during the uh, clone wars. Uh, there's the super battle droids uh, destroying his village and his parents put him in there. It's a really sad scene. The door opens on the battle droids about to zap him and a Mandalorian actually comes in and kills it. Uh, and then we see a lot of Mandalorians uh, fighting off the droids and, uh, our young Din Djarin gets taken away and becomes a Mandalorian. So we get a huge piece of information about who our main character is, why he is and how he got there. So awesome. 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 A couple things about that. Um, I'm actually, I'm not sure I need to double check this, but I think that might've been after the clone wars back when those super battle droid units were still in circulation, but maybe not, necessarily wielded by the trade federation um I'll, I'll check on that and we'll we'll do a follow-up at some point um we should do like a, a letter to the editor section where we correct all our mistakes but um <laughs> so that uh one thing i love about this flashback is you know they've been alluding to it the entire season but we finally get to see the full thing and you'll notice that all of the mandalorians are wearing uh their color scheme they're wearing like you like they're not wearing unique armor uh per se they have they look more like a military, I guess. Uh, so that kind of alludes to the the time before the Great Purge, 
uh, where they're a little more organized, they're a little stronger, and they they kind of they mean perhaps a bit more when they show up. So I thought that was awesome. Um, the eWeb, uh, Austin, I'll give you a thousand dollars if you can tell me what that stands for. Uh, energy weapon. I don't know. Emplacement weapon, heavy blaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah, we find out who we find out a lot about our characters. Dinjarin, obviously, but uh, we find out that Grief Karga is a disgraced uh, magistrate, which I thought was interesting. Um, yeah, Kara. I mean, Kara stuff. We assumed. I mean, we got her full name, Kara Cynthia, which that's kind of funny, actually, <laughs> that she has such <laughs> like a elegant name for someone who's so uh, blunt, but. Yeah, I, I mean, it definitely fits Grief Karga's profile to be kind of like uh, a dropout, I guess. Yeah. Um, so we find out a lot about that. And really before anything bad happens, um, IG, we saw IG-11 get on a speeder. Um, he's conducting his protocol of protection and he zooms in there and IG-11's up the stormtroopers by torso twisting blastering um all these stormtroopers he comes in there um he starts blasting or it starts blasting all these stormtroopers mando uh karen grief join in mando gets outside the bar or yeah i think it's a bar it's like a bar it's like out of the bar he actually gets to the e-web and unhooks it from its stand and starts mowing Dude, down troopers. Master Chief Halo 3 vibes right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so he's doing that, but what ends up happening is uh, Gideon gets uh, an angle on him and actually shoots him in the back of the head and then shoots the ammo the E-Web's connected to and blows Mando up. So Brutal. that's not great. Um, I, I failed to mention that uh, Mando had said that the, uh, about the sewers and, and the hidden Mandalorian alcove and that they did find a way in, but there was no way for them to blast in. Kara tried, didn't work. Right. IG-11 gets there and they say, hey, can you do this? He says, yes. Mando is just struggling. Kara is being overly romantic towards him, saying, we're not going to leave you. You're going to be fine. Wait, 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 wait. You got romance vibes from that? I didn't. Dude, how did you not? I got like, I got you like see brothers in arms. I got like no, a brothers in arms extraction. I think no. it was, I think it was platonic. Like, mm. we're bros. I'm getting nope. you out of here, buddy. Agree to disagree. All right, I guess. That. I mean, I guess we'll. I guess we'll see moving forward. But yeah. I found it. Yeah, totally I mean, I'm, I'm sure that they won't do any romantic things together. They'll be partners. But oh, absolutely gonna, like, in this. You think it's going to be like a, a will they scene. won't they? A will they won't they? Yeah, they I won't? do. Right. I absolutely believe that because you know he gets set down and he's like. Uh, you know, Mando's banged up. Kara's like, oh, you're fine. He's like, no, I'm not. And she puts her hand behind his helmet and it's bloody. And she's like, no, 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 no. You're going to be fine. We're going to get you out of here. You know, hang on. And he's like saying, leave me. It's fine. And she's like, no, we can't leave you. Like, we're not going to do that. IG-11's cutting the grate. 
Uh, Moff Gideon's like, okay, we're roasting these dudes. Uh, a pretty badass stormtrooper, Big like boy. red, <laughs> red, uh, with some accents in there. Gets the flamethrower out, breaks down the door. Very spicy boy, <laughs> and shoots the flamethrower um, at everybody. But what ends up happening, man? Or you know, while all this chaos is happening, Baby Yoda is just so concerned. I think it understands. Mando is very hurt. It wants to help, but it just just overwhelmed with everything that's happening. And what happens? The stormtrooper comes in with the flamethrower, launches the flames, and Baby Yoda does his thing. Puts out his hands, captures the flames. And fires them back at the trooper and basically kills him, blows him so up, sick. which was awesome. Um, and I mean, kind of falls on his butt because obviously we know these things take a lot of energy out of him. Right. But uh, um, basically, Mando is demanding to be left behind. Um, Kara says to IG-11, you know, take care of him. Um what ends up happening. We actually get to see Mando's face, um, which I already knew who the actor was and what he looked like. Right. Uh, he definitely has helmet hair, but <laughs> um, so what ends up happening is IG 11 identifies the wound, wants to spray Bacta on it, uh, which I'm sure we'll get some more info here in a sec on that. Uh, Mando absolutely will not stand for removing his helmet. Can't do it, says no living thing has ever seen me with that off. And IG-11 has a very nostalgic moment and says, well, you consider me not living, so I am not living, and so it doesn't count. Technicalities, baby. Gotta love them. Mando relents. Bacta is applied to the wound, and uh, IG-11's like, yeah, yeah, you'll be good to go in a couple hours. Yeah. It'll be all fine. I gotta, so, I gotta get some back to dude. That is the best cure all substance. Literally, <laughs> like it's just in every movie. It's just like yeah, just throw some back on it, dog. He's fine. Yeah, um, I mean Luke was in a tank of back to after yeah. his encounter with Vader, and you know, he, is that was he high after that? Like, I, I, <laughs> like what happened? I don't know. I don't know how it works, but maybe. Just so, like, like you would think if back to is that regenerative, if you got put in a vat of it, you would like start de aging. Like he comes out and he's like prepubescent. Well, the ultimate anti aging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do the elites of uh, like uh, do the elites of like Coruscant have like back to parties where they like get rid of all their wrinkles and look down on all the poor people below? I don't know. Oh yeah, probably. That's actually yeah. You know what? I bet I bet that is something that uh, it should be canon. If it's not, all right, fan novel incoming. <laughs> um. But yeah, Mando's good to go. IG-11 gets him through the grate. Um, Kara and Grief and Baby Yoda don't know where to go. And I mean, again, the look on Kara's face when IG-11 brings Mando down, you cannot tell me that that, that's not a brotherly in arms happy smile. That is a OMG, my dear, you're okay, look. Uh, Let's put money on it. Let's put money on it. (laughs) okay but what would the conditions be because i don't know if they actually get together because i think you're right i think that's fair here's the conditions if if it's void if she's not part of the next season or something but if in a future season if they ever like touch hands for an extended amount of time look into each other's eyes like literally like his helmet's off and she's looking into his eyes 
Oh boy, a hel- his helmet off. Come on. That okay, is, okay, or like, or that is a big okay, ass. Fine, 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 fine. Here's the other one. Uh, she like gently like puts her hand on like the jaw piece of his of his helmet, or like holds his hand, or like smacks his butt a little bit. It's got to be something like that. Okay. She is a physical contact person. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm following. I follow. Or like, or like, you know what I'm saying? But even then, even then, I would still default to it's more like a brother sister thing. I just have really no, platonic no vibes, dude. Absolutely not. Uh, Instantly, IG-11 brings him down. Instantly, I'll, I'll get him. I'll get him. I'll take him. All right. I mean, come You're on. You're just a romantic, Austin. Dude, I, it's just the writing. Oh, it's just so obvious in my mind. <laughs> all right. But, I, I'm putting 10 bucks on this, buddy. All right. All right. 10 bucks. 10, 10 bucks. bucks it is. Like the first bet of yeah. Dweeb Dive um and incoming degenerative dweeby gambling okay great uh just what i need um so moving along we find out the alcove has been raided and there is a massive pile of mandalorian armor all the mandalorians that were hiding on navarro are dead yikes um i was shocked same honestly i thought there was gonna be an another awesome battle not to be not to be, I guess that would be too cliche. Um, but the bright side is the armorer, the Greek goddess of Mandalore herself is still alive. Um, essentially explains that not long after Mando escaped, the empire came in full force, found the alcove and eliminated all of them. Um, Mando wants her to come with him, but she can't because the Beskar must be salvaged. And that is just so awesome of her. What a boss. Um, she essentially, and this is where actually we get our first knowledge of the Jedi. Episode eight, the last episode of the Mandalorian, yeah, that's right. there's that's actually right. a Jedi reference. And they explain what the child is because Mando says, this is the child. This is the one that I, you know, basically changed everything with and for and the armor and they explain the power. And she talks about the Jedi sorcery that was used against the Mandalorians in their uprising. So I think that would be, that must've been during the, the Republic before the clone wars, because we do know that Mandalore yes, that, that was, was on quite the a while ago. side yeah. um, during that fight. And they, they also were a big part of the resistance or I guess the rebellion rather. Um, and so with that being said, I mean, that kind of, well, that's from rebels, but anyway, so we know that a lot has happened and that is where we get our first knowledge of the Jedi sorcery, which was a pretty cool moment. Um, Very cool. And then some, some big moments for Mando himself. Uh, Connor alluded to it already uh, with the Mandalorians that had helped um, young Din Djarin before he became a Mandalorian. They all have special armor. They all it's clan based. Um, And we talked about in the first episode, how they're almost like a roving band of samurai and clans are so important. So Mando actually did not have a clan of his own and gets forged an emblem essentially marked as a clan of two, as she says. Um, and then also we find the jetpack, uh, which I 
named earlier, uh, Connor. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> uh, the Rising Phoenix. They both fly, um, so that's you're kind of close. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they're both propelled by jets. Nice. So smart. Um, Big brain. Mando gets the jet pack. Apparently, there's training on it um at a young age but you have to specialize so yeah. she basically tells him don't wear it until you can um and then she essentially ig11 goes out kills some troopers as the armor instructs and again mando says come and she says no so they leave and before we see them get to the lava river that the armorer mentioned she goes absolutely in on some stormtroopers and wow. it is awesome really i mean i think they just put that in there because like why not um because i think people like me the greek goddess of mandalore right must have a beautiful ending and that was beautiful and because she didn't die or get captured or whatever does she reappear and i'm gonna say yes Yes. um and also (laughs) mandalorians like their their hierarchy is usually based depending on which lore you're uh, ascribing to but in both it's based on uh, combat prowess, or, or at least power, uh, axe. So um, yes. it, it, would, it would make sense that she's an excellent, excellent fighter. Uh, I want to talk about very, very quickly, because I know we're going pretty long here. Um, the pile of Mandalorian armor. I have a theory that this happened because of budget reasons. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It would be such a big process to coordinate and the like. You're adding so much to the special effects budget and, and the workload to have them be escorted out of there. I think that's probably their first idea was to actually have it happen. A lot of them die, and maybe that you know leads into something in the second season. But I think they wanted that, um, so they kind of had to do a rewrite. Uh, that's my theory. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, cause they did leave a little bit open for, you know, she said maybe some of them got off world. Um, I, you know, I think that's definitely has to be the case. It would feel so empty without any other Mandalorians in the universe. I think, um, I'm predicting there's going to lead to, so this is going to lead to some heavy tension between, uh, Din Djarin and any other Mandos he encounters in the future. Like, you know, you like, you revealed the cover, you killed out, like you, you led to the destruction of like the most of our numbers. And now we're like, we're really, really screwed. Um, I, I don't know. I think it just, it just seemed, it makes it, sense. It seemed kind of fishy that they were like just straight up graveyard all dead. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, I get why it happens though. Like it, it didn't, it wasn't like it, uh, there. I think the, like, if it was a rewrite, I think it was fine. It's just, uh, yeah. And then uh, I just want to say like, I think all the lore points about the Mandalorians that the armorer kind of uh, just kind of downloads onto uh, Din Djarin was really, really cool. Like the lore point that they will, they have to honorably return unfit foundlings to their original people or culture, even if those peoples or cultures are hostile. Like what? That's so honorable. Like, holy crap. So I don't know. Like everything we're learning about Mandalorians from the show has just been amazing. I, 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 I can't, I have no complaints. I think it's so cool, but yeah. Yeah. And I think the gravity of the armor staying behind to reforge the best. Yeah, exactly. Um, I had mentioned in episode one from rebels, how important the Mandalorian armor was to their clans. And I mean, 
armor that had been reforged and basically passed down for hundreds and hundreds of generations within their own clans. I mean, it is a big deal to them. So you cannot just leave it there for someone to grab. Um, So just uh, really how deep rooted the tradition uh, for Mandalore and Mandalorians as a whole, uh, I think echoes true there too. So um yeah, hopefully we see more of the armor at the very least. And if it was a budget reason that had to axe the others, uh, I'm sure they'll have a bit bigger of a budget after the success. Yep. So um, it'll be interesting to see where which way they go there. But we approach the conclusion of the episode. They get on the lava river um, in a stone boat and they find out that they're headed to an ambush. Uh, they blast the droid that's taking them there, but then it's too late. They've got too much momentum. And we have a nostalgic moment. Episode one, we find out how much Mando hates droids, absolutely hates them. We don't really know why. Oh, actually, no, I'm so stupid. We do. We do know why, yeah. because they killed his family. Um, So he has this moment of they're trying to decide how they're going to get out of this. There's not really a way, and IG-11 basically says, my protocol is to protect the child, and the other protocol is I can't be captured. I have to self-destruct, and essentially this is the way. Um, He walks out into the lava, is somewhat melting in the way. I mean, it's just slow-mo, like a slow walk. Obviously, lava's very thick, so that's, that's good. Um. And he gets to the edge of the cave where all the stormtroopers are. They all point their guns at him. He states why he cannot be captured, activates self-destruct, and Boom. blows, and blows them all up. Yeah. Uh, Mando, Kara, and Grief with baby Yoda make it out, and they see that. And that is the end, or is it? Bum, bum, Moff Gideon, with his TIE fighter, comes in and strafes, and... There, no, uh, no real answer for for that because their their blasters won't do anything to the Tie Fighter, probably because it's too fast and armored. Yeah. Um, but Mandalore just got a or Mandalore, uh, Mando just got a jetpack and knows what to do. So the next pass, Mando jettisons into the air and with his handy dandy unlimited supply of detonators gets one on the TIE fighter and jumps off. It blows. Moff Gideon goes crashing down um, in a nice big heap, and Mando lands, I'll give it like a, a 6 out of 10 on his landing. Obviously very new to a jetpack. Yeah, pretty good. For um, the first hour, pretty good. Yeah, exactly. Considering he hasn't done it since he was a child. Uh, b- big. Big. And that's that's the conclusion. Uh, Kara decides to stay on Navarro with grief. Um, and Mando says he's got to get out of there with the child. He's got to go do his mission. He's got to find mm-hmm. where it belongs and return mm-hmm. it. So that is the way for him. And the episode ends or does it? Or does it? Woo! We, and this is actually, I'm really excited because. Oh yeah, baby. What is that on the TIE fighter that, that gets cut through? So we got some Jawas. Um. They they uh, they yeah. get into they you know their scraps they 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 salvage uh, they're going in to scrap the Tie Fighter and a 
blackish white outlined lightsaber cuts through and Moth Gideon cool. steps out with this thing in his hands. Wow. Um, and that is wow. how it ends. So Moff Gideon's alive. There is a new lightsabery thing in play. Oh my! Um, God. But I'm here to tell you right now, it is not a lightsaber. Shout out to Rebels for this. Well, um, it kind of is a lightsaber, but I, I'll I'll come in. I'll come in after. I'll come in after. It's like kind of, but it's not really. It kind of, but it's kind of not. Okay. Well. Okay. But hold on. Hold on. Hold on. All right. Before. It has the same property. Well, I guess my question is, is it made, is its energy produced via a kyber crystal? Well, see, and that's the trouble, is because when it was thought up, it was before the kyber crystals were the only crystals you could use. Because that was back when lightsabers were super customizable with tons of different focusing crystals, tons of power crystals, tons of um, auxiliary crystals. So... Uh, which is something that KOTOR covers. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, so the Darksaber, uh, this is the commonly accepted lore. I'm not sure if this is canon or if this is Legends. But the Darksaber, and it is called the Darksaber, uh, according to, uh, I guess, I'm, I'm, I, I, think it, I think it's Legends canon, so I'm going to say Legends. According to Legends canon, it's one of the oldest lightsabers in the canon ever. It was forged by Tari Vizsla, who was the first Mandalorian to ever join the Jedi Order. And one of the uh, only to join the Jedi Order. I don't believe there was many after him, if any. Um, Since he was so unique and his position on the Jedi Order was so unique, he constructed this lightsaber using the Jedi tactics to build lightsabers. Uh, But he constructed his own sort of thing and... uh, It was kept by the Jedi in the temple uh, after he died, after he passed. And then later, uh, Clan Vizsla, uh, like generations after, uh, snuck into the temple and retook it. And um, you may recognize that last name, actually. Paz Vizsla was uh, the name of the Mandalorian Heavy, who uh, Mando had a spat with. So they appear to have the same family name. It's, it's, un- it's unclear how related they are, but uh, could be a long, long distant uh, descendant of him. But so it is a lightsaber. But obviously, its properties are quite different. Um, it seems to be having a completely different energy profile. Just, I mean, judging by the way the blade looks, the shape of the blade is more like a sword. So it's, yeah, you're right in saying it's not a straight up lightsaber, but it's something. It's something in that ballpark. So transitioning from legend to canon, the dark blade, as it's called in canon. Right. Makes its way. Um, I think it actually appears in Clone Wars in the uh animated series. I have not watched that, so I will have to get back on that. But it does appear in Rebels, and the Dark Blade is wielded by the leader of Mandalore, the true leader, so the one that mm-hmm. uh rules all the clans. Um, and it is wielded by uh Maul. Um, who actually is not dead. He's not Darth Maul either, just Maul. Um, Maul. And also, it's believed Moff Gideon has it because the Empire purged Mandalore for its role in the Resistance, or rather the the Rebellion. And we found Moff Gideon was an intelligence officer on Mandalore. So him having the blade essentially means that 
um, that is basically in control of Mandalore. So I don't know if that's going to come into play too, too much in rebels. Uh, there's some Mandalorians there that, uh, do work with the empire, but the last we see the dark blade, as far as I remember, it's handed off to one of the sisters, um, of the original rulers of Mandalore. Uh, yeah, that's right. She's, she is given that by, Oh, I can't remember her name in the show. I'll have to come back to it, but that is the last time that we see it. Um, and again, it is confirmed. Star Wars rebels is Canon with the Skywalker saga. So everything that you see there does correlate into that. So I don't know how much further they can go since sagas ended, but uh, that is Canon. So that is it. That is the Mandalorian boy. We ran over, but it, uh, it is what it is, I guess. Um, in depth. I mean, it is a dweeb dive and it was a deep dive. And so we'll probably not be doing this too, too often. So thank you for, for hanging in there. I know I was going to mention something at the end of the show, but I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> That's how long fried. we've gone. So, yeah. uh, Oh, well, um, Connor, anything, uh, anything else? I mean, if we're doing a final thoughts, man, I am so happy. The Mandalorian was a thing. Um, I'm not, I'm not someone who's like death to, uh, Ryan Johnson and, uh, he ruined my life, but I was disappointed by the Star Wars movies, uh, the, the most recent trilogy that is. Um, so for the Mandalorian to come out and for it to come out in such a big way and deliver a bunch of just really delicious lore about Mandalorians and just explore a smaller, more contained story, it was awesome. It like it made my dreams come true. It reminded me of the games, which that was really the primary way I engaged with Star Wars. So. It was everything that I that I wanted. And uh, as a final piece of fun facts, um, IG-11, uh, his self-destruct protocol is literally revealing a compartment with a thermal detonator inside, the same one that uh, Princess Leia threatened to use on the hut. So um, that is all I have uh, in terms of fun facts, man. This has been really, this has been really awesome covering this show. I'm so glad we did it. Yes, it's it's been a ton of fun. Uh, season two does come out fall 2020, which if you think about it, that is an immense turnaround. Yeah, um, I read that they did not even break after uh, concluding season one filming. Um, so while season one was in final production, they actually started filming season two. So um, an incredible turnaround for all of those uh, cast and crew members to really not even give themselves a day off on a successful show. Thank you to them for delivering such an awesome product and mm-hmm. can't wait for season two in the fall. Who knows? Maybe we'll have uh, the Obi-Wan show by then as well. So going to be a lot of fun going into those down the road, but um, you can expect our next episode uh, soon next week. And we will be taking a look at the new star Wars movie, I believe. So that'll be fun. Connor said he didn't like it. I, understood it i think is my best description um but that is all we have for you today again thank you for hanging in there with us it was a long dive it's time to surface and come up for air we'll recharge the batteries and we will sail with you guys next time 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Dweeb Dive. If you liked what you heard, please, please, please like and give us a follow so we can continue diving into your favorite topics. There's been a lot of hot takes. There's been a lot of claims, a lot of references to the deep lore. If you have a question, a comment, feedback, you're angry with me for something perhaps inaccurate, I said, which is very likely, please do not hesitate to reach out on our accounts and ask us the big questions. We would love to hear from you. Thanks, guys.